So we're 10 minutes in and we have a Rue who is MIA. I think we've waited far too long already for him to show up. Do we just record without him? (laughs) I think we just get on with the show. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be a ruleless one, but... You oh know. no, he'll stroll in fashionably late, in between stories. We don't need Rue anyway, right? Exactly. <laughs> he will show up fashionably late, pretending like he was here the whole time. This is uh, professional podcasting right here. So, welcome back to the Random But Memorable podcast, where we'll be breaking down some of the latest security news in Watch Shall Weekly. We also have an awesome guest for you lined up this week, as Tanya Janka will be stopping by to discuss her new book. And of course, things wouldn't be complete without a fun game and grand finale of Play Your Passwords Right. So, Matt, how are you doing? How's lockdown life for you this week? Do you know what my kind of corona life crisis is this week? Is it? It's not the haircut, is it? It's not the classic. It's not, no. Need to get a haircut. I've moved off buying obscene amounts of of Sour Patch Kids. (laughs) And I feel like I've matured because now I seem to be spending obscene amounts on uh, charcuterie. What's charcuterie? You know, when you have like a a plate and it's just meat and cheese. Wow. And it's not like an excuse for a meal. You've gone up in the world there, Matt, from Sour Patch Kids. Very posh. I know. I did a Waitrose order, which is quite a posh, like a supermarket in the UK. And the only things that I ordered from it were meat and cheese and like crackers to put them on. <laughs> and, and the order came to the door and my wife thought I had, you know, done the weekly shop and was very proud. And then we, we slowly dived into unpacking yeah. and realized, nope, no, this is just this is just meat snacks. And yeah, what wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> I uh, I think we can go into some into some Watchtower Weekly. This next one is is fairly interesting in terms of you know mixing together the Robin Hood style philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Can you call it philanthropy if it's stolen? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a grey area. Okay. Yeah, they they've been donating stolen money essentially. A hacking group is is donating stolen money to to charity in what is seen as a mysterious first for cybercrime, and it's apparently puzzling experts. So dark side hackers claim to have extorted millions of dollars from companies, but now say they want to make the world a better place. In a post on the dark web, the gang posted receipts for $10,000 in Bitcoin donations to two charities. I mean, when you've stolen millions of dollars uh, and then donating (laughs) $10,000, not really, you know, weighing up that. Do they really want to do a good thing or do they just want to be seen to be doing a good thing? I mean... I'm sure there's good in this somewhere. And and I'm sure the Children International and the Water Project, which works to improve access to clean water. Yes, that you know, they will do oh, okay. One of them <laughs> the the Children International said it will not be keeping the, the money. No. So maybe some good has not come out of this. No. And and maybe they should just not steal it in the in the first place. <laughs> I, I think that's probably the, the information that we can take away from this. <laughs> in the blog post, the hackers claim that they only target large profitable companies with their ransom attacks. Mm. Almost like that's oh, that's okay then. Yeah. It's Robin Hood, isn't it? Steal from the rich to give to the poor, but which I always thought was a weird thing to read children in the first place. Yes. I'm not sure the moral compass of, of Robin Hood is, <laughs> is particularly the one that we want to take away from there. But they also said, uh, we think it's fair that some of the money will go to charity. No matter how bad you think our work is, we are pleased to know that we helped 
change someone's life <laughs> not if they're not going to keep it <laughs> exactly yes yeah the children's international said if uh, the donation is linked to a hacker we have no intention of keeping it there we go brett callow uh, a threat analyst at a cybersecurity company mcsoft uh, said that what the criminals hope to achieve by making these donations is not clear perhaps it helps assuage their guilt or perhaps for egotistical reasons they want to be perceived as robin hood like characters i think the media has read that comment and jumped all over it yeah. he said whatever their motivations it's certainly an unusual step and as far as i know the first time a ransomware group has donated a portion of their profits to charity i mean it might not be it's highly likely that when you have millions of dollars, you do give a bit to charity, isn't it? Or am I just am I just reading into that by, <laughs> by you know by by the amount that I give to charity? I'm assuming that you know. <laughs> How many of your millions do you give away to charity, Matt? Oh, uh, I've got no millions left. That's why. These <laughs> are so generous. I know. Amazing. I love it. Hi, by the way. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> nice of you to join us. I, at the same time you joined the, the podcast, 30 minutes late, uh, I also got a text from uh, our founder, Dave, that said, uh, if Rue sounds extra good today, it's because I helped him warm up his vocal cords. Don't think of him as being late. Instead, he was, he was calling me, so consider it training. Um, so that's, that's good. Dave's ability to look on the bright side of life is never, like, it always... It is, it is an impressive feat, uh, and, and his ability to spin any situation to a positive one is just incredible. So, yes, that's correct. <laughs> it is a skill. It, it really is, yeah. So, yeah, no, I was I was in uh, vocal warm-ups and, you know, the, the tip of the teeth, the, the lips, the tongue, so, you know, stuff like that. You got you to gotta go through it all, right? You got you gotta, <laughs> it's, it's got, to get it fast. Um, and I, but I'm here, and I think I sound great. Yeah. And you joined us just in time to talk about the story that, you know, has been related to cybersecurity and talked about a whole bunch this week, yeah. uh, which is that Donald Trump made a comment that no one gets hacked, followed up by a few days later, someone alleging to have hacked. Okay, him. so hang on, let me, I just want to sort of distill this down. So uh, Donald Trump has made an outlandish claim, and then that outlandish claim has proven to be false. And not only that, but has proven to be false directly related to something involving him. Is that an accurate characterization of, of this? Yes, I, I, I believe there's probably a first time for everything. <laughs> to be specific, Trump said that no one gets hacked. Uh, to get hacked, you need someone with 197 IQ and he needs about 15% of your password. I just enjoy the specifics of that with obviously just having created it in his head. Yeah. Which is always interesting. I'm, I'm sure there are several politicians that do it, but no one quite does it like him. And so, yeah, a couple of days later... It was alleged that Trump's Twitter was hacked. And we can look at this as, uh, from a couple of angles. First of all, Twitter ha must have that thing locked down. Like, it, it's been hacked before. Yeah. I imagine that the security around a presidential account that is used to announce stuff, regardless of whether it should or not, it honestly should be probably at this point secured somehow other than accessible by Twitter themselves, if I'm honest. Like, it is a communication route. Like, it is the red telephone of, of this <laughs> uh, of this president, yeah. right? Like, it should be secured by the government and not by Twitter. It is one of those stories that, like, on the surface is so fun. Because you're like, of course he got hacked. And of course his password was MAGA 2020 exclamation point. Like, <laughs> like it's, you just, you want to believe this. 
But at the same time, you're right. There have been issues with his account in the past and people getting access to it in ways that they shouldn't have. You have to imagine that Twitter would have reached out to the administration and been like, listen, like we're going to lock down your account. Here's how you're going to be able to access it. We set up two-factor authentication for whatever it is, right? Like you'd have to imagine that those protections are in place. Now, if they're not, and all of this is true, again, it's a great story. There's a, there's a little bit of it that smells a little funny to me. Yeah, Twitter themselves said, we've seen no evidence to to corroborate this claim, including from the article published in the in the Netherlands today. We proactively implemented account security measures for a designated group of high-profile election-related Twitter accounts in the United States, including federal branches of the government. So that, that kind of backs up the fact that Twitter are doing things to protect themselves against this type of attack. And uh, the security person who claimed to have done this, all they really showed was a screenshot being able to edit the bio section of Trump's account. And so maybe there's not so much to, to, to back this up. I mean... That was definitely his password, though, right? Like, like <laughs> that was 100% what his password was, regardless of what the uh, extra protections on the account. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that he has previously been in the have I been pwned area. So <laughs> I think um, you can do some guesses on his email address and, and drop it in have I been pwned and, and, and see some of the see some of the outputs there i mean we definitely knew that his password was you're fired right that came out in the in the linkedin breach i believe that was in the linkedin breach yeah so so maybe someone needs to have a chat at this stage if if any one of these has ever been true maybe a little bit of a of a chat and just maybe there's there's a tool being built that we just don't know about that is like two-factor authentication and so like all the passwords are, are, are easy for him to uh, to type in uh, so he can kind of you know feel secure in his own his own control but then there's just a secret service person with a with a two-factor button behind him <laughs> and just like yeah all right we we you know we let him try the password let's just enter in that two-factor code that we've got control of Whatever, whatever he types in for the password, they just they put in the correct one, and then the then they auth it with two factor, and then they're fine. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> there's just like there's someone with a huge key ring of YubiKeys, and like you know they're just <laughs> oh. they're just tapping them away behind the scenes. Oh, I love so much about this. Um, <laughs> so we have an interview today. We do, yeah. So up next, we have a great guest for you today, as Tanya Janka joins us to chat about her new book and how every single one of us can create and code software that's actually secure. So here it is. This is Tanya Janka on Random But Memorable. Sitting down with me today is Tanya Janka, also known as She Hacks Purple. Tanya is the author of the new book, Alice and Bob Learn Application Security. She is also the founder and CEO of We Hack Purple, an online learning academy, community and weekly podcast that revolves around teaching everyone to create secure software. Tanya, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. How, how are you? Things are amazing. Writing a book is really hard, but now that it's done, I'm so happy it's done. So life is great. That's fantastic. I, I have to assume that as a writer, you get the same sort of rush that we get as, as software creators to get something that you've made into real people's hands and then hear feedback from them about it. Yes, it is so exciting. It's also um, really exciting to just be finished because my publisher explained this to me, but I was like, I can do anything. I think I'm a superhero. He's like, starting a startup and writing your first book at the same time. Gosh, that seems more than ambitious. And I was like, oh, I, I could do it. No problem. 
home. He was right. It was very hard. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I keep uh, I keep trying to, well, I keep trying. I keep wanting to set up a development blog here. And even that, I'm like, boy, I could, if I could just like write an article, that'd be great. Uh, but also, I'm very busy. So it's I, kudos to you. That's a huge accomplishment. Oh, thank you. So that that's actually a really good transition. Can you talk a little bit about we hack purple and what's the origin story there? Yeah, absolutely. So I speak at conferences and kind of travel around and I like writing research papers because I'm that type of nerd. And so basically then people start saying, hey, can we hire you to kind of come in and just teach us how to do this thing like you kept talking about at this conference? Like, So I started doing workshops and then I started doing some training. And so then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take a break for you know, a month or two and just chill out. And this might sound really silly, but I just opened up my Calendly link to anyone on Twitter. I was like, hey, I like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Anyone want to suggest what I should do? And I met with amazing humans. I joined a startup in San Francisco called Cloud Defense uh, as their technical advisor. And then I also just had person after person say, hey, could you come in and train our devs. Could you come in and train our AppSec team? And so before I know it, I was like, well, it appears that I have a business. I just need to put a name on it. Um, and so then I started making on-demand training because that is, it turns out like you can reach a lot more people that way because me going in and training 10 devs is awesome, but me making an online course that could train thousands of devs, it turns out then I can charge a lot less and I help more people. And so, yeah, it kind of just like expanded on its own, if that makes sense. And then I started this little community. So basically like I'm a giant nerd and I want to hang out with other nerds. Um, (laughs) And so I started some paid content for like $7 a month. And now we have you know, like 150 people as part of that. And so I was asking them, I was like, hey, if I start like a kind of like an online space where we could all talk and hang out and other people could share stuff too, and I could share events. And so like, we'll stream together. And like, when I build my courses, we'll hang out and stuff. I'm like, what if we opened and made it bigger? And they're all, they voted basically unanimously. Yes, let's do it. So um, we're launching that in a couple of weeks. I just wanted to build a community that I could be a part of where no one can be mean to you. That's like the number one rule. No meanies allowed. (laughs) We just talk about AppSec and incident response and all of the things that interest me and us. And so, yeah, it turns out that people are willing to pay a very small amount of money to just make sure no one harasses them. Turns out that that's actually pretty cool. That's really neat. It is one of my favorite things about the internet is that you can form a community out of the thing that you are passionate about. And it doesn't even matter what it is. You know, you could, you, your passion could be knitting mittens for squirrels and like, you will find some people who will be into that. (laughs) And like, it's just so cool to be able to, you know, I, I'm a very big advocate of like, you know, follow your passions, do what's important to you. And a way of life will, will sort of flow from that. So it's, it's really cool that that's, that that's something that you've been able to, to do and and do successfully. Like, wow, I'm, I'm going to, try and stop myself from saying congratulations to you too many times on this podcast because apparently that's just where my brain is constantly going like congratulations that's super cool thank you (laughs) thank you so much so what role does application security then play in a company's security overall like you're you've you're you're doing coursework you're you're consulting on this type of stuff like what's sort of like the the key role here that is your angle on it what's your what's your spin on it so i i see companies doing application security. So I'm just going to define it in case anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about. So it's making sure your software is secure. 
that's basically what my field is. And so sometimes there's software developers where they have taken that on as part of their responsibility for their team because no one else is doing it. And sometimes it's people on the security team, but they actually have no knowledge of how to build software, trying to support the devs, but not really knowing kind of what they need or what they want or how to enable them. So the security team is trying, but they're sometimes, so I used to be a dev for a long time. And like, I remember the security team as being, whenever they would come over to our area, I'm like, oh crap, what have we done? Um, <laughs> and just mostly them saying no all the time. And so when I joined security, I immediately wanted to start saying yes. And so first I was a pen tester, and then I discovered this magical middle space between the security team and the devs and that it was AppSec and it turned out it was a full-time job. And yeah, so basically like I see a lot of organizations where they want to do some sort of assurance that they're creating secure software, but they're not sure how. So a lot of them are spending a lot of money hiring a zillion penetration testers. And I personally feel that pen testing is a part of application security. It's not its entirety, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, I hope a lot of organizations build application security programs. So that's what our first set of training is about. It's like a complete program from the very beginning of like, what's a web app scanner? Why would I want to run one? What's the difference between a pen test and running a scan and all of the things in between up to like, we're measuring it. How do we respond to incidents? How do we track incidents properly? Like all the way to you know, when you should consider a bug bounty or not, more advanced tooling, how to eliminate entire bug classes. And so like a lot of places that I go and work with, they're like, we really want to make sure our software is secure. We have no idea where to start. What's like a framework that we could work within and like, where do we start? And then where could we try to aim for for next year? And like in five years, what should we aim for? And can we like make a plan towards that? A lot of consulting questions are just like, we want to buy a tool that does this, which one's the best one? And then I say, why do you want to buy a tool that does that? Right, right. <laughs> and what is the problem you're trying to solve? And so sometimes like they're realizing, oh, you know, running like a static application security testing tool in our pipeline is making software developers very unhappy and we're not getting the results we want. And so I'm like, so what are the results you want? And then let me help you get there. So sometimes that means taking it out of the pipeline or putting it in some other automated format, but not interrupting the build cycle. Yeah, there's a lot of like, I want to make sure our software is secure. What are good ways to do that? And like, when is it okay to break a build? Or when is it okay to stop something going to prod versus when is it not okay? Or like, how do I get buy-in so that everyone's not yelling at me all the time? I uh, Yeah, I, so I'm a really big advocate of inserting security like as sort of a base a foundational element of software development and certainly here at one password you know that's what we do it, it is oh, yeah. it is baked into every single thing that we do and i'm curious from an industry trend point of view at what point in a company's life cycle are they starting to think about security and is is this something that more companies are thinking about at the beginning when they just have an idea and they want to make sure that they bake it in from the beginning? Or is it like, crap, we're on to something. <laughs> it also needs to be secure. So let's let's invest in this. I would say it depends on how old the company is. So there are a lot of companies like big established enterprises, and a lot of them are well aware that 
they need to have an application security program. We could call it an application security effort, right? And then newer companies, I find, tend to be a lot more onto it, especially so once they're a startup, as soon as they get out of the startup phase where they found product market fit and like their product's actually on the market, suddenly they're like, oh, security is a thing. We need to build that in. But companies that have been around a really long time, they've already probably had lots of security incidents and felt that pain. And so a lot of them are finding their way with what they've decided their secure software development lifecycle would be. So they're like, okay, we build software and we do QA and we do this and we do that. And they're like, maybe we should plan a time for code review. Awesome. Okay. So where will we put that? And I think it depends on how much hurt the company has had as to how much importance they put on security or their focus of their business. So like, let's say you're dealing with health data. Then you have HIPAA, if you're in America, to like guide you along for that. But if you, for instance, you know, if you have a shop that builds mittens for kittens or no squirrels. Thank you. Squirrels. Right. Obviously, it's totally different business model. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you would like have like this totally different viewpoint on security. Like you don't even see it as an issue, if that makes sense. You're like, I don't think anyone cares that this person has bought an inordinate amount of squirrel mittens. And so you don't see that as private information. And so a person with a business model like that might not think about security at at all. But for instance, one password and we act purple, we're both security companies. So from the beginning, we're obsessive. So I think it depends on how long the company has been established, how much security pain they've felt and what their business model is, how important it tends to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can definitely see pain driven development being being a, a, a significant contributing factor to how serious they take this. Oh my gosh, I love it. Pain-driven development. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when you're teaching people then how to get started with creating secure software, like what's, what's lesson one? Where do you begin? Okay, so lesson one. So rather than like listing tools or like tactics that you're planning on doing, like we're just going to hire pen testers. Okay. So instead let's set goals. And so I just go over a ton of program goals that you could set and like why you would choose those goals. And then we pick like potential goals for us. And then as we learn each lesson throughout the whole thing, we add on, we keep building up our goals. So like, let's say a goal is, uh, so usually when I, whenever I go anywhere, Uh, to consult, I say, okay, so give me all your scan results from everything, all your tools. I'm going to mash that into Excel and tell you what your three worst problems are. And so let's get you a basic security posture, a basic inventory, and then like, let's figure out what your top three are. And let's try to stop the bleeding with the top three. And that could be a goal for a program. If you have no idea where you're at, it's like, okay, so let's make sure that every single app is in our app inventory so we know what we're protecting and then let's do a web app scan like just a basic dynamic scan of all of them let's find what our top three issues are that are actually happening and then let's try to i guess lower the prevalence of all of them by at least 50 percent in the first six months and they're just like whoa that was fast nice but also more importantly we're seeing like what their problems are really quickly and then from there i'm like okay so now we have a baseline posture and so now we know you know these three apps are in the danger zone they're really scary i want to create a plan to make them more secure but 
could I talk you into like a waff or a rasp in front of them as a shield until we get them up to the posture that we've chosen that we feel is acceptable for our organization? Like, it's not the perfect solution, but can I do that until we get to there? And then, oh, these ones are awesome. But when I'm teaching, it's like we start off with what are all the different types of application security activities that exist? And if I'm trying to do an inventory exercise, it's like, okay, so what tools could help with that? And then next, let's say we do tools and it's, okay, so one of our goals was that we want to do like a basic scan of everything. So what scan would we want? You kind of continue to learn new things about AppSec, like how do I scale my AppSec team? Let's say some things are appropriate to delegate and some things aren't. Let's dissect what our goals are and then let's figure out if there are any parts where it's appropriate to delegate because I see a lot of inappropriate delegation that turns out to be a disaster. Want to hear an example that I see everywhere? Oh, 100%. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Michael. I see so many places where they buy a static application security testing tool and they run it on full blast, the entire code base, and they run it on pick up everything that could potentially ever have been a security problem. And then they just email that report completely unvalidated to the dev team. They're like, here's 10,000 pages of why you suck. (laughs) And then they're like, why aren't the developers dancing for joy? I'm like, it's like you sent them an abusive letter. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Like, they don't know what this means. And they're like, well, they should just read up on it. I'm like, if you don't think it's good enough for you to read, why do you think it's good enough for them to read? And like, you're the security expert. They don't know what this means. And most of it... It's not that it's false positives. It's that this is a situation that we think is indicative of a potential security problem, right? Someone has to go chase that down. And I'm I'm just like, you can't expect the average dev to be able to go and chase all those down. Like you need someone that understands and has the skill set. And it's going to take months for a dev team to try to chase down like a 1000 page report. But if you have an expert come in and triage that and then say, listen, okay, so we actually found 20 things and 10 of them scare the crap out of me. Yeah. So yep. I would like you to, to fix these 10 things that scare the crap out of me. And then I want these other 10 things in your backlog for the next six months. And I want to actually see you fix them. And yeah. like, let me know how I can support you in getting there. And like, just the delegation of all of the SAS results to devs. Nope, disaster, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you've got to have someone that can take that report and distill it down to actionable, prioritized items, right? That's got you've got to, you've got to back it up with the reasons and and everything else because you know I don't know if people know this, but developers are very busy. Uh, our list of work is always incredibly long, and so if we're inserting something into the roadmap, like it better be important, right? Exactly. But also like they just don't have the training and skill set. So it's going to take them 10 times longer. For instance, like, uh, I don't know, I'm good at gardening, right? But someone else that isn't good at gardening, if I was like, hey, go plant these seeds, it's going to take them a really long time because they're going to have to read the instructions and like, they just don't know even where to start, right? And they're like, oh, okay, so what time of day is good to plant seeds? Like, did she mean in the ground or over here? Do you know what I mean? And if they've had no experience doing that before, it's going to take them way longer than it would take me. And it's the same with security tasks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We see a lot of financial and reputational risk for companies and tech giants that don't take precautions and secure their software. Is there anything else at stake? Oh, my gosh, everything. <laughs> um <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) All the things are at stake. My boss and I gave a talk once to the software developers and we were explaining to them. So they didn't understand what the problem was because it wasn't affecting our core business activity. And I explained to them how we had had a security incident and basically we had accidentally lost the personal information of six employees. Yeah. And then me explaining to like a mother of two toddlers what identity theft was and how basically she was going to have to look out for this for the rest of her life. You know, setting up credit monitoring for them, helping them change their banking passwords because I felt it was my team's responsibility to do that personally with each person that worked for us. They're like, oh, that's their personal information. I'm like, no, no, we screwed this up. They work here. It happened to them because they work here. We are going to care for them and like do everything we can to make sure that nothing bad happens to them. Imagine like the look on that person's face of what have you done? And like, do you know what I mean? And obviously it wasn't something we did on purpose. It was, it was a vulnerability in Flash. We had not successfully uninstalled Flash for every single employee. There were six that we had missed and a thing came out and they got hit. And so all of that coming together, like that is at risk. Having your employees' personal information on the internet could mean someone could come to their house and do something to them. Other things at risk are your business being completely and utterly humiliated and no one ever wanting to use your products. Right. 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 Yeah. It could mean current customers, like losing customers, not getting new customers, but also customers you've had a long time just yelling at you and like just being really angry and frustrated with you all the time. And like, if you've previously had really awesome relations with your customers and then your staff is having to just apologize all the time, like that's actually really expensive. It takes a lot of time. So like it harms your business in so many different ways. And even worse, like what if you don't know? that an incident is happening and has been happening for a while and it's just customers are being harmed and you don't even know. Yeah, that's a that's a nightmare scenario for sure. Mm-hmm. So everything is at stake in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so Tanya, do you have any favorite tips for all of our coders, software developer listeners out there when it comes to building software? Okay, I have the number one best ever tip on the planet. Holy cow. All right. Yes. I'm listening. I know, right? And it seems so simple and obvious, but I did not think of it for years. So when you don't know how to do a thing and you are going to go on the internet and use your favorite search engine to find how to do it, look for the most secure way to do that thing. Do not ever pick the top option on Stack Overflow because I love Stack Overflow. It's literally, it's my favorite programming language. However, when you vote something up to the top, quite often is because they have removed all of the security features in order to ensure it works. And so Stack Overflow found this out very quickly. They're smart people. And so they made a secure security section there. So either look up there how to do the thing you're doing or search the most secure way to do that thing. Because when you copy and paste stuff off of the internet, you copy and paste code, usually as a dev, you're like, oh, what's it do? Looks pretty good. And then you press the compile button, it compiles, you're like, off to the races, let's go. (laughs) Next. Yes, if you made security a part of that, if you said, I'm going to look for the most secure way to do the thing I want to do, I kid you not, it would make huge code improvements immediately. And it takes two minutes (laughs) instead of 30 seconds. That's fascinating. 
I've never thought about that before. That is a really fascinating way to think about it. Like just not how do I get this done, but what's the most secure way to get this? Jeez Louise. I like that a lot. It's so simple though, right? It's so simple, but the top results on Stack Overflow, unfortunately, way more than 50% of the time is the least secure way to do whatever that thing is. And Stack Overflow is totally aware of this problem and conscious of it. And like, they've tried, they have tried, but the upvote is king, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so it's being conscious of that. Wow, that's cool. All right, let's do a little bookkeeping, pun intended. Where can people go to find your book? So they can go to anywhere books are sold, like Barnes & Noble. If you're in Canada, Indigo Books. You can go to Chapters. You can go to Amazon. You can go specifically directly to the Wiley website. So if you are not in a country that Amazon will ship to or any of those others will ship to, it basically doesn't matter where you are on the planet. Wiley will ship you my book. And I am waiting with bated breath for my first order of 200 books to arrive. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So just look up Alice and Bob Learn Application Security. I love that title. It's so cool. Thank you. And you'll see a bright purple book with pink outlines and a man and a woman smiling and looking very happy about security. (laughs) That is super cool. Well, Tanya, you've been an absolute delight to have on the show today. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, Is there anything that you would like to say in parting today? I would really love it if people would go check out We Hack Purple. We actually have tons of free stuff on our site. So we have one page downloads on that are just free of like how to secure Azure, like how to harden it, what all the AppSec activities are, what all the types of tools exist. And because I'm just trying to share information. And so we have lots of free stuff if you want to come check it out or just become a part of our community and just be a nerd with me. <laughs> That's that's a good sell. Let me tell you, that's a good sell. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a total blast. So, Anna, what's going on with Ask One Password? So, yeah, we've had some cool stuff this week, actually. So, I don't know about you, Matt, but it always amazes me just how diverse and eclectic our listeners are. Because this week, we had a message from James Wilby from the British Olympic swimming team. I think what surprises me there is that we have people who listen to our show who aren't either in DevOps, security ops, or something similar. (laughs) Uh, It's amazing that, you know, someone who is in an Olympic team of of any variety is is listening. So thank you very much for listening. Yeah, very cool. So he said, not sure if you'll be talking about this on the next podcast, but would be interested in hearing yours and the guy's thoughts on this. And he's linked us to a story from The Guardian, which is Russia planned cyber attack on Tokyo Olympics. So the the Olympics, of course, were postponed uh, as, you know, pretty much everything. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the, the evidence is basically an indication that Russia was prepared to go as far as, you know, disrupt the summer games, which all Russian competitors had been excluded because of the persistent state-sponsored doping offences. So essentially, this seems to be a retaliation for that. Pretty interesting kind of bringing out something like the Olympics, which, I don't know, to me seems quite pure. Mm. Like it's a it's a nice thing that happens every year. Sort of brings people together. And... Yeah, to turn it into something that is a cybersecurity issue and 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 make it cause problems like this to to the host nation uh, and everyone involved really. But yeah, 
I think um, really what Kato, the Japan's chief government spokesman, said we would not be able to overlook an ill-intentioned cyber attack that would undermine the foundation of democracy. I'm not sure. Perhaps it undermines the, the foundation of democracy, but it's not a not a nice thing. And really every government has come together to kind of say, you know, let's let's not do that. It's such a blatant retaliation as well for the doping offences and being banned from everything. So it's kind of like they've got their hand caught in the cookie jar, absolutely red-handed. But, you know, really what can the consequences of this be? They, they can't continue to ban Russia every year because then there just no is no spirit of the of, of the olympics you know these these athletes that train the punishment is on the entire country but these individual athletes aren't anything to do with the cyber attack here so it's it's really unfortunate that a nation is bringing out you know things that are going to harm individuals that are training yeah and he's actually asking for advice because he says, I personally swim as part of the British swimming team and I'm targeting the Tokyo Games. Long-time user of 1Password and recently have managed to convince a few teammates to get it too. Since a number of us have verified social accounts, there have been times when accounts have been compromised. This article, as well as previous breaches, kind of makes me want to put together a bit of a 1Password sales pitch for all the members of the team. So any advice there would be helpful. Anyway, love the podcast and, of course, play your passwords right. It's good that everybody loves that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think onepassword.com forward slash resources is something that not many people know about and has a bunch of downloadable PDFs and articles and all types of things about looking for a password manager and, you know, in information that you can share with, with friends and family about, you know, having a password manager and what, what that entails. To bring up the point of, about verified social accounts, I really think anybody with a social account that is them with a sort of public personality. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even going down the list, way down to the bottom, someone like myself, who is a company representing figure of, of some sort. And, you know, the, the damage that you think someone could do impersonating anybody, really. But that's what really convinces me that anybody like this needs a needs a password manager and absolutely needs to add 2FA to all of their accounts and really take a increased look at their security over anybody else. Yeah. So I hope that helps answer some of your questions, James. But if anyone else is listening and they want to get in contact with the show, then please just send us an email at media at onepassword.com or you can also use the Ask One Password hashtag on Twitter. So I think with that, Play your passwords right. Ooh, let's do it. Yeah. All right, how are we going to score play your passwords right this week? What do you mean, how are we going to score? It's the same thing. We score this in a different way every week. Nope, we don't. Sorry. So there's Rue. We do. And then there's Matt. <laughs> and I'm going to give us points. Now, last time, you gave me a sound whooping. Okay. But this time, I'm going to win. Yeah, you got to win. And that's how the game works. So the way this game works, Anna will read out a uh, phrase or a word. And tell us how many times it has been exposed in a password breach, according to HaveIBeenPwned.com. She will then read us the next word in the list. And Matt and I have to guess, was that exposed more times or less times than the word previous? And we just keep going. Each one is is sort of a higher-lower style game. We do 10 of these, and at the end, uh, we will tally the points nice. and see who won. Yeah, that covers it nicely. And we usually have a theme for the passwords. And this dun, week, dun, we're going music-themed. <laughs> you can use that. That's a freebie. Excellent. I love it. 
You're very musical. Let's go. Are we ready? I'm ready. So here we go. First one, drum and bass has 2,656 breaches. Okay, I'm going to go higher. For whatever's next. I'm going to go higher. <laughs> I, do, I, love, I, I love don't know what's that, next, but I love that it feels Matt like it's going to be higher. breach on that one. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's, it's about to get funky. What do we think? Higher. Higher or lower than 2,656? Uh, yeah. I yep. think so, yeah, higher. You are correct. It is 8,246. So next we have country. Bit of the old country music there. <laughs> I like country music. You do? I, I know I'm not supposed to, being from the, the south of England and, you know, country music is, is just tends to be American. But I really like it. It's misunderstood as a music genre, I think. I think so, yeah. We don't get any of the history that comes along with it, to be honest. So. <laughs> no. So what do we think? I think it's going to be higher. I'm going lower. And I wonder how many people are accidentally putting uh, country into uh, the password field rather than <laughs> like into a country yeah, field. I'm, I'm going lower on this one. Okay. So I'm sorry, Root, but Matt is correct. It is higher. Damn it. It's 33,504. Yep. So next, we have one of my favorite music genres. It is punk. Really? Yeah. All right. I, di- I didn't put you down as a as a punk. Eclectic music taste, me. Now, do you like pop punk? That's the that's the genre that I think. Yeah, I'm partial to a bit of pop punk. And I need to know: Are there like photos of you dressed as a punk rocker? Because oh, goth Anna, I like it. Not goth, like punk, like purple hair. Yeah, very very <gasps> emo. Um, oh. Get your stud belts out, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. my gosh! <laughs> See, that's the kind of quality content that this podcast needs. That's got to be like. Uh, I, I went through the big jeans phase, but I didn't go go through many others. I was gonna say everyone surely had like a punk emo goth phase, right? Nope. Nope. No. I mean, I I, oh, okay. I had the big. Big jeans. The flares. You know, the, the big ones with dangly bits on them. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was dressed like a normal person, so that never <laughs> that never took place for me. Offensive. <laughs> <laughs> that's lower, by the way, because it's not long enough to be a proper password. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also agreeing that that's lower. Right. Okay, so we're both going lower. You are both incorrect. It is higher at 37,000. Oh, wow. 83 over 33,000 for country. Now. That is surprising. So next one. Hang on, will we just not update? in the document anymore because neither of us scored a point <laughs> no no no. i mean like so i can see what word came before it and the exact oh sorry it's a different page it that that was a google doc problem i didn't scroll uh oh, that's funny learn how to use a computer matt <laughs> wow it's a little punky if you ask me <laughs> all right we can continue okay something i hope every bit of music has is a melody what do we think melody i, I gotta i gotta go lower are you are you making certain like profiling decisions about the type of person who uses one of these <laughs> passwords? I'm not. It's very it's very gut gut reaction. Okay. And clearly my gut is terrible. So I'm going lower because it's it's more of a complex word. I don't think you'd just like immediately think of it. But but then maybe. Wait, sorry. You're you're going lower. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm, I'm changing my mind. I'm going higher on this one. But my other thought is maybe it's someone's name, like a kid's name or something. And, and that might... It could be. That, that might increase it. All right, I, I'm sticking with lower. Okay, so Rue, you are bringing yourself up to a draw because it is higher at 45,905. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> oh, it's someone's name. It's definitely someone's name. Two to two now. Let's keep going. Anna. Okay, another personal favourite. Rock and roll. 
What do we think? Higher. That's a higher. Yeah, I think higher. I think the the rock N roll people uh, are gonna think that that is is perhaps more secure somehow. Yep, for sure. No one will guess that. Time to log in. Rock and roll. It's <laughs> perfect. Yeah, said fifty five thousand people, no doubt. Yep. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> You are both incorrect. It is lower. Oh, 29,238 people loving the rock and roll there. I am so disappointed. I've given up justifying these. I'm just going to go gut instinct now. Yep. Next up, we have heavy metal. <sighs> this one has been the most difficult one. Has it? Yeah. I'm going higher. And I've got no justification. Then I'm going lower. Right? <laughs> we got to get some differentiation in here. I was going to go higher, but I'm I'm gonna I'm either going to peel away or I'm going to fall back behind. Rue, that was a good choice because it is lower at ten thousand two hundred and thirty. Yeah, fantastic. So this is what I assume is Matt's favorite music. It is karaoke. Ooh. I've never got up to do a karaoke. Lower. Lower because people don't know how to spell it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Lower. <laughs> so you're both incorrect. It's higher, unfortunately. Oh, like only by a bit. Eleven thousand three hundred and ten. I assume that's how you spend your Friday nights, Matt. But clearly not. Is it karaoke if there isn't an audience? Isn't that just singing? <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have hip hop. I mean, I think hip hop could be a great genre of password all, all by itself. You've got some, you know, you've got exhibit spelt wrong. <laughs> you've got you've got all sorts if you, if you were into hip-hop and and just having hip-hop as your password i think is kind of a missed missed opportunity do you, do you want to name any other artists uh de la soul oh all right oh, don't, <laughs> all right don't quiz me on hip-hop Ooh, oh. i'm impressed okay a tribe uh, called is, quest oh is, i've got them all. just googling these man. i am not this is higher now all right i'm going higher Hip-hop, definitely higher than karaoke. Yeah, higher. You are both correct. It is way higher at 83,209. Hey. They all spell things wrong. So it's it's a hive of passwords. <laughs> Got that one. Okay. JZ, him. Oh, boy. <laughs> JZ. <laughs> it's your boy, JZ. <laughs> this is terrible. So I'm going to end this with how every musical number should end, and that's with... Jazz hands. <laughs> I thought you were going to say key change. Oh, yeah. Tempted, but... Uh, lower. Yeah, I'm going lower. What world do we live in where jazz hands is going to be more popular than hip hop? You just angered a whole bunch of theater geeks. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish it was, but sadly you are correct. It is lower at 369. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, take that, theater nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, I was a theatre nerd, it's fine. So, Rue, you, you're <gasps> clawing it back here. Yay! With a win this week. Fantastic. Oh, God, I love fake internet points. This is great. I'm so happy. <laughs> so next week, I thought we could build on this and go kind of artist and lyric themed. Let's do it. I, I think we should go hip-hop special at one point as well. I mean, yeah, that's pretty niche, but... I think so. If people hit me up on Twitter saying that's what they want, then... All right, there we go. Give the people what they want. You got to give the people what they want. Yeah. Great. Well, this was this was lovely. I appreciate your patience in allowing me to be incredibly tardy today. <laughs> so thank you for that. And this was nice. Love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.